All right, everybody, let's go ahead and gather. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Jesus, we love you so much, and we just desire to be with you on earth as it is in heaven. Send forth your Holy Spirit to overshadow us, to guide us, to accompany us in our discernment. As we seek to do your will, and your way, and your time, and our walk toward eternity. Blessed Mother, wrap us in your mantle of love. St. Joseph, protect us with your cloak. St. Michael, guard us with your shield against any distractions of the enemy, so that we can be attentive to the face of the voice of Jesus, who calls us by name to follow him in our walk toward eternity. We ask this prayer, Heavenly Father, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you, and the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Welcome to our first DYB, Discern Your Vocation. Yeah! Yeah, so excited. So we have food coming, by the way. In case you're hungry, there's pizza on the way uh, tonight. So, uh, DYB. So when I was here seven years ago at Christ the King, one of the things that I noticed was that a lot of people began to really struggle and become very anxious about their vocations. They're like, what am I going to do whenever I graduate? I don't know what God's calling me to be. Uh, should I be a sister? Should I be a priest? Should I get married? I really want to get married. I don't want to be a priest. So there's always discernment questions. And so the point of this night is to have a very laid-back night where we can just talk about discernment, some practical tools for discernment, about the state of life vocations, uh, and about God's will for our life. And so we have with us some of the mercenary sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. Uh, we have Sister Holy Spirit right here, and Sister Refugio, or Refugio. Uh, she's named the mother founders of the community, and Father Colum Cahill, the Archdiocese of New Orleans Vocation Director, and of course, um, the Vocation Director for Baton Rouge, Father Josh. And just a real quick thing on vocations before we all begin to speak. Uh, every single one of us in this room, we all have the same vocation. Our vocation that we all share is to become saints. God our Father desires for you and me and for all of us to abide in communion with Him forever in heaven. Like that's our vocation. Right? That's the, the universal vocation. Right? A means to that end for some of us is going to be a state of life vocation. Priesthood, religious life, consecrated virginity, and marriage. But not all of us are going to even enter into a state of life vocation who are called to become saints. There are saints in heaven who were never married, they were never consecrated virgins, they were never ordained, they were never consecrated religious. Dr. Giuseppe Muscati is one of them. He's a doctor, a single person, who is a canonized saint. Right? So not everyone's going to enter into a state life vocation, but that does not mean we don't have a vocation to become a saint. That's our calling. Our number one calling is to be a saint. State life vocations are means to that end. They're not meant to become idols. Sometimes we focus more on priesthood, our religious life, our marriage, our consecrated virginity than we are in Jesus, and on abiding in communion with Jesus in our walk toward eternity. So I just want to make that point very clear that we all have a vocation. It's a vocation to become a saint, to be with Jesus Christ for all eternity. Um, but we're going to give you some tools, specifically if you have an inclination towards religious life or priesthood, as to how to discern that properly and how to follow that particular call. Uh, for, for me, I, I first had the thought of priesthood come to me when I was 16 years old. I was at a youth conference during adoration, and the thought of priesthood came to my mind. I hated that idea because I didn't want to be Catholic. I didn't want to be a priest. I only wanted to be married growing up. 
And even after that thought came to me, I still only wanted to be married. Uh, but I couldn't stop thinking about the priesthood. And after that event, people began to say things to me like, have you ever thought about being a priest? And I, I hated when they said that because I didn't want to be a priest. And I also hated the fact that every time I got around people like Father Andrew Merrick, I got excited. I was like, shoot, I, I don't want to be excited about the priesthood. But I had to admit that, that as much as I did not want to be a priest, there was something there. And so I finally made the decision after praying and praying and praying to just go to seminary to find out. Not because I knew I was called, but because I just wanted to go to a place that was conducive to discovering if I was being called to the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And after eight years of formation, uh, I was ordained, and now I'm a priest. And been happy, been happy ever since ordination. Uh, but just a few things about that. Number one, I... When I thought about it, even though I didn't like it too much, I was excited. Right? So if you can imagine yourself as a priest or as a religious, like, okay, that's something to pay attention to. Number two, people kept making comments to me about it. So I'm like, God, what is your will for me? And someone would come and say, you ever thought about being a priest? <laughs> like, no, God, not, not that way. I don't want to hear from them. <laughs> and then again, the, the excitement that was there. Um, but there was peace. There was peace with going to seminary, even though I still didn't want to be a priest. There was peace with going to seminary because... Um, I knew I was, I was going to be set apart to be with Jesus for some time and have that time of intimacy, of prayer with him to discover. Uh, at the foundation of everything has to be prayer, our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, uh, where we come to see his face and hear his voice speak to us in the word of God. Um, God wants us to discern in freedom. So even though he invited me, the Lord proposes, he never imposes, even though there was an invitation, I could have said no, and I could still be a saint, right? I could still say no, even with an invitation to discern this particular path. God just wants me to be a saint. As long as I'm pursuing Him and abiding in communion with Him, like, that's what matters to the Lord. And so even if you, like, might maybe feel a call to religious type of priesthood, but you really are like, you know, Jesus, I really also feel called to marriage, like, you're free to pursue that. And that doesn't mean you're any less holy. God, the goal is to be saints. Does that make sense so far? So I'm going to um, invite the sisters to, to share a little bit about the, their vocation stores, as well as Father Column, and any tools and tips they have for discernment. And then after that, we're going to do a Q&A. So be thinking about any question you might have. And even if you're not asking for yourself, maybe you're asking for a friend. Um, so just try to, as they're talking, think about what the Holy Spirit wants you to ask for other people to be edified, for other people to be helped um, in their discernment as well. Sister Holy Spirit. All right. Well, um, I'm really happy to be here with you all. Um, my name is Sister Raquel of the Holy Spirit. I am with the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament. Um, and our, our charism, the Holy Spirit has given us a very particular charism, and that is to love our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Eucharist, and to just share that love um, through evangelization, basically through being with people and speaking to people um, after being in his presence daily. So daily we spend one holy hour with Jesus, and um, we are just called to be vessels of that love. So my prayer is that love um, will just flow into all of you tonight. Um, so just to share a little bit about my vocation story, and then my, uh, my sister in community will come up here and also share um, share of hers Um Let's see. So God started drawing me to himself uh, pretty much after high school. It was through the mass, really, that 
God started kind of me, kind of like luring me, like calling me to himself. I didn't really know why, but I felt the call to start to go to daily mass. Like at first, like my, my family, you know, we would go to Sunday mass. But then my parents would sometimes go to mass during the week. And I don't know what it was. It must have been the Holy Spirit that I just felt like I wanted to go to mass during the weekday as well. And when I started to go to Mass more and more, not just on Sunday, but during the week, my life was really beginning to change. So fast forward, um, I went to a study at the university, like you all here studying. Um, my background is in psychology, so I graduated and did some missionary work. Have any of you heard of Net Mission Net, uh, Ministries? So it's a, it's a missionary um, group here. They do missionary work in the United States. So... I did that for nine months after going to school, to the university. Um, after came, I came back, I started substitute teaching. And then um, all of a sudden, this uh, I just loved God. I loved being involved in ministry. I loved prayer. I loved the church. I loved everything about the church, um, the Pope, the saints, the teachings, Mary, uh, praying the rosary. I, I taught myself to pray the rosary and... Um, Mary leads you right to Jesus. So it was, it's a love story. It's a love story. I really love how Father Josh talked about this relationship, how Jesus just draws us to himself. So Jesus was drawing me to himself. And um, in the midst of that, I did date. I had a boyfriend and, you know, I was into guys and in high school and school and all that. So um, I did, I did date. Um, and I remember this one guy I was dating, um, so I had a full-time job after high school, or excuse me, after university, I had a, a full-time job. I was working as a counselor, so I was doing good work, you know, um, I was working as, at a at a crisis shelter, working with youth. I worked there for five years, and at the same time, I did have a boyfriend, so I had a good job, I had a boyfriend, I was involved in church and ministry, but then um, I got to a point where that wasn't fulfilling me. At the end of the day, it was like God was calling me to more. And he was calling me to give myself completely over to him, not just, um, not just after work or on the weekends to serve the church, but he was calling me to give myself completely to him. And I knew that he was drawing me to religious life also by attraction, because I was also drawn to the to what a religious uh, sister, who she was, because a religious sister was someone who was devoting her whole life to God, not just like on the weekends or not just after work, but her whole self to Jesus Christ in a very particular way. I was drawn to that. Um, and even while I was dating this guy, I remember... Um, we were having an argument at a restaurant, and I went to the bathroom, and I don't know what it was, but I told God, I said, God, I'm yours. So it's funny, because here I am dating, but then here I am telling God I'm his, you know? So sometimes we just have to stop and think about what we're doing, you know? Um, but then, um, I'm not saying dating is not good, but I'm saying um, <coughs> it gave me an opportunity, actually, to see that. Yes, this is good. A boyfriend is not bad. It's it was good, but it was God was calling me to a different location that was going to be fulfilling for me. 
So God calls us to love in a very particular way. And for me, over time, um, I discovered. And then also, so God was also working in me interiorly because in my heart, I just felt like I really feel God is calling me. I really feel God is calling me. But then there's that struggle, right? But then leaving family and all of that. So the struggle was definitely there, um, but persevered. And um, and in the midst of this, prayer was what give, was giving me peace. Those visits to the Blessed Sacrament after work, sitting with Jesus in prayer, and just really trying to dwell, working to just dwell in His peace, was what was giving, what was helping me, just working on that relationship with Him. So inside God was working in my heart because I just felt that he was drawing me drawing me to religious life like by attraction so then I said okay Lord if you're calling me to religious life show me the community because there's so many religious communities out there right so I said show me the one for me so because of my love of Jesus and the blessed sacrament I said you know what I hopped on Google, I said, I did a search, I said, I'm going to look for a community that has in its title, Blessed Sacrament. So, the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament come up, so I click it, I click the website, and I see, um, oh, they're going to have it, oh, they're both contemplative and active, which means they have a, a strong prayer life, but they also do some, some work with, with people, you know, that's some, some mission work, just helping, working with others. So I thought, okay, this is good. So I called the vocation director, Mother Jeanette, and then um, from there, she just started guiding me, started helping me. I mean, when I was in crisis mode or if I had a question, like I would call her, you know, she was always there um, just to kind of give me the answers I needed, the reassurance. Um, so that was happening with me interiorly like that. I just felt, it was like a feeling like I really feel God is calling me to this. And then exteriorly, um, also, there were um, just some things were happening. Um, I was meeting with the spiritual director. I did, definitely didn't get to my um, vocation alone. I had the help of a spiritual director, so um, very good priest. Um, he had a lot of experience, and he was just able to walk with me and listen to me. And um, once that time was getting closer, he was able to tell me, okay, time is getting right. Time. It's getting. Um, t it's time for you to make a decision, and I was even feeling it too. Like around that time, my mom told me, um, "Okay, Mija, you know, she told me in Spanish, okay, Mija, um, you know, you're you're getting older. It's kind of time to see what direction, where, what's going to come up next for you." So I just started to see kind of things were happening in my life where it was time for me to take that next direction, that next step. Um, so, of course, and, and we're going to, um, as maybe I'm talking, maybe some questions are coming up for you. Um, that's just a, a brief, a brief uh, part of my story. Um, but I am going to invite Sister uh, Marita Fuji to come up here. And then as you hear her story, you can just think about those questions that you have and then we can, we can answer those for you. Hello, everyone. Um, so my name, like she was saying, is Sister Ashley Marie Refugio. So my story is a little different, as all discernment is different, and every single one of us is different. Um, but I grew up knowing the Mercedarian sisters, so they were kind of like thrown at me from kindergarten. And I thought they just like fell out of the sky. I really thought sisters just fell out of the sky. 
Um, but fast forward to college, I was going, I wanted to get away from home. I was like, let me get as far away as I can from home until I'm 30 minutes away. Um, and so I was there for probably about, I think, two full, two years. Um, I tore my ACL. A lot of things happened there, and it was very hard for me, but I had to tell my parents I'm moving back home, and I left that school. So I moved back home, and I just was in a really dark spot. And, you know, the Lord, the Lord uses that. He draws you back um, to the places where you're home. And so during that time, I just continued working and whatnot, and I was jumping into another university, studying marine biology, working at the aquarium. I was just trying to make my way. I was like, okay, Lord, like, you called me back here. I'm going to do it. And um, it was actually during that time, I was about, I think, 21, and I went on a retreat. I was chaperoning for my little brother, and just really in a dark spot, really far away from my faith, not really practicing much. Um, and that was where he, he grabbed me. He grabbed me hard. And that kind of started my whole discernment journey. Did I hear that word before? No. But like Father Josh was saying, people just kept coming up, you should be a sister. Like, you were always with the sisters. I'm like, be quiet. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. But like, people just kept saying that. But I was like, I'm not even going to church. Like, stop. Um, and actually at that retreat that I was chaperoning a sister that is our mother mistress approached me and said, Hey, like, how's your faith? And I was like, I go to church on Sundays. And she was like, well, we have a discernment retreat coming up in April. Do you want to go? And she's actually asked me before and I was like, sure. And then I'd back out last minute cause I was afraid and was like, what are people going to think of me? And this time I said, yes, I'll go. And I actually ended up going and it was there on that retreat, I had no idea what discernment was, nor did I know that, like, I didn't know the culture of discernment at all. And I just went on this retreat, and the Lord, again, grabbed me there and just drew me in. And, I mean, it was a process of six months for me to get to the point of entering. Um, but, again, what I shared earlier about how the Mercedarians, I grew up with them in grade school, it was a little more familiarity um, but the Lord just put on my heart from that first retreat that I was his and that my whole life took like a 360. So I was like in a dark, deep spot, life of sin. And I went on that retreat and literally everything changed. Um, so yeah, just be open to the stirrings of the Holy Spirit and just like what he's asking of you. Like even if you think like, oh, I'm so holy, like... Uh, I know I'm called to religious life, not saying that's a bad thing, but, like, listen to that, too. But also, like, even if you think, oh, I'm not good enough, like, they're so holy, like, no. I was in a really bad spot before I was called to religious life. But just like you hear throughout the, in the Bible, like, Simon, Peter, like, all of, I mean, he's the same person, but, um, <laughs> rambling, but, like, conversion. Jesus changes lives. Like, Jesus changed my life for the better, and I know I'm not the person I am because I am the person I am now is because of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah. So, just be open and listen to the people that might be poking you. Like, maybe there was a friend that poked you tonight and was like, hey, you should come. Um, listen to that friend. Maybe thank that friend. And maybe invite that friend next time because maybe they need to hear some of these things. And maybe they're called to religious, or religious life, priesthood, or there are plenty of holy matrimonies, and we need more of those two in big families. So, like, no pressure. Don't put any pressure on yourself. Okay? Cool.
It's the best seat. Well, hey guys, I'm Swada Josh. My name is Father Colin Cahill. I'm the uh, director of vocations for the Archdiocese of New Orleans. So, his counterpart in the in the diocese down the road. Um, so, yeah, very briefly, I'm I'm not originally from here. Um, but my first time, actually, I was, I was reflecting on today when we were in the church at Mass. I came to confession at Christ the King like 13 years ago. Um, and um, I was visiting here. I'm, I'm originally from the UK. Uh, I'm British. But um, I've been here a long time now. So my accent is just like a gumbo. So I, I don't even understand me, really. But, um, so kind of similar to what, um, a little bit of what we heard tonight, um, I didn't have a lot of certainty about my vocation necessarily growing up. I felt the Lord in many ways at times, uh, drawing me to a relationship with Him. But I, one of the, the foibles in my life, one of the areas where I, I kind of struggle is I do, if I'm going to do anything, we're going to do it 100 miles an hour, okay? Right? So as I was kind of going through high school and then getting into college, like, I was either, like, there would be seasons of my life where I was never, like, in a persistently dark spot. But I would get into areas where I was going, like, 100 miles an hour after the world, right? <coughs> And then that would go on pause, that would be a hiatus, and then it would be 100 miles an hour, like, after the Lord, you know, and there was, there was never middle ground, right? And I just kept doing this because I think in many ways, in retrospect, when I look back now, I was approaching my relationship with the Lord instead of as a relationship, but rather it was like a problem to be solved or an equation that I had to figure out, right? It's like to what we're saying, like, I had to figure out what I had to do, right? Do, do I have to try and gain the whole world? you know, 100 miles an hour, or do I have to, like, gain you, Lord? Like, as, as if, like, he's, like, something I've got to kind of, like, wrestle God down and, like, win him or something. Like, idiot, right? So, that, that's the way I was approaching it for a long time. And then, there's actually, I, on, I, I came to New Orleans a number of times, I have a number of friends here, which is kind of how we got connected here, friends with Father Josh and others. And I was uh, on a retreat here uh, back a number of years ago, and um, I was praying with Matthew chapter 6, Right? And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30-something, I think 33, yeah, 33, and he says, you know, seek first the kingdom, right? Seek first my kingdom, right? My righteousness, and all the rest will be added, right? Like, come after me first. Like, stop trying to figure out the problem. Stop trying to, like, get this equation down. Like, seek me first. And for whatever reason, in that holy hour that day, that just hit me, and I was like, you're right. You know, I've been doing this all wrong. I've been going after trying to, like, figure out what it is you want me to do, rather than who it is that you are, right? I'm trying to figure out what you want me to do, rather than who it is that you are, Jesus, right? When I finally got to that point, I began to just explore my relationship with the Lord, and see what he was kind of putting on my heart. And once again, like, and the sisters were saying, and like, Father Josh has been saying as well, like, I saw good, holy people in my life, and it, I was attracted to that. There was something in that that kind of awoke something in my heart. So I decided to go, to seminary. So, I, you know, um, go back across the pond, back to London, start seminary in London. And then I get there and I'm like, I hate it here. <laughs> this is terrible. Um, I felt called to the priesthood, but I didn't feel called to where I was. And I didn't know why. I certainly didn't feel called to New Orleans. That never been really my experience there. But for whatever reason, I, I didn't feel called to where I was. So I, I, I was like, Lord, I'm so confused now. Right? You told me to seek you. I finally like sought after you. This is where I've ended up. And now you're not giving me the peace and consolation I thought I would feel my vocation. Long story short, I get a call from Archbishop Heyman because we knew each other from my time here in New Orleans and through friends and others. 
And he says, word has come to me that you're not happy when you're doing it. And I'm like, well, that's creepy. It's very creepy. You know? But um, so he, so he reaches out to me and says, look, you're, you're finishing up like your first like year or so of formation uh, in London. Why not after that year come and continue your formation in Notre Dame, right? No like, no, like hard commitment. Just see how it is. So I did that, and, and certainly that closed a rift in my family. I'm one of five kids, mom and dad, you know, I've got nieces and nephews now, all that kind of stuff. And uh, I remember my sister saying to me, my sister said to me, she's like, you will be the brother like, that my kids will never know, because you'll be the other side of the world, right? You're, you, you know, you're tearing the family apart. And I had such turmoil about it before I left, and you know, my mother was very against it, and all this kind of stuff. And this is where miracles kick in, guys. You know, I got here, got the seminary here. Like, there's no way this is functionally going to work, right? I'm going to try and keep my family together from 6,000 miles away, you know? And that, that sister who told me she'd never visit me, right? You know, within eight months, she was on a plane to be here, you know, and to visit me, right? Because the Lord just, you can't outdo him on generosity. For whatever reason, I get here, I just find all the peace that I was seeking and looking for, because that's where the, where, the, where the Lord wanted to speak to me. And, you know, thanks be to God, you know, then I went on, finished my formation, ordained, was ordained to the priesthood. Yeah, I shared that with you just because um, that's kind of that's kind of where I came from with regards to like 100 miles an hour in one direction, 100 miles an hour in the other, never looking for who he was, but rather looking for what I thought I had to do. So I encourage you, it's been said by everyone here tonight, seek him. Yeah, yeah. thank you, Father Carl. So, time for questions. Yes, ma'am. Okay, I have two. Okay. Can you speak at this time? Um, so one of you, I can't remember which one, but um, one of you mentioned remaining in the peace of Christ, like dwelling in the peace of Christ, and I want to know how is that possible? <laughs> one place, it would happen in one place, remember when I talked about um, after work I would stop at the chapel and pray in presence of the Blessed Sacrament? That was <laughs> A lot of times, my one place where I would feel the peace. Um, and my discernment, um, I had a lot of struggles. There was a lot of times where I didn't feel peace. Um, but when I would just sit with Jesus in the presence of his peace um, is where I would feel the peace. And um, also, I wanted to add, um, and I could, um, Father, say your name again, your last name. I didn't pick it. It's a weird name. But, okay. Cahill. Cahill. Okay, Father, <laughs> Father Cahill was saying um, that he realized that he was praying. He needed to start first with God and then everything else. And similar to my prayer, what happened was um, I was telling God, Lord, here are my plans. Bless them. And then I realized, that, <laughs> I, do you ever do that? I mean, which can work out sometimes, but um, I was realizing that I was praying wrong. What the gold, Here's a golden question. The golden question is, Lord, what do you want for my life? And so, um, and God knows us so well that his plan for us is going to fulfill those deepest desires. So it's not like God's plan is something that you don't want. Actually, God made you for a particular plan. So peace just Sitting with Jesus and not trying to not figure things out or overthink things, but just sitting with Jesus in his presence in that peace. So um, you said that our vocation um, fulfills, like it's fulfilling. However, 
I've been hearing that it's not where happiness comes from. So, how does that work? Thanks, <laughs> <laughs> guys. Yeah, so, um, just, just reflecting what you said there, I, um, I think my, I, there's a difference between like happiness and then just the deep resounding joy of knowing like who I belong to, right? belonging to the Lord. I have plenty of days. I've had some recently where I'm not happy, right? And it's, that's not because of my vocation, um, but there can be some deeper resounding happiness that even in the midst of those situations, like I know who I belong to, right? And I, and I know I have that relationship and things might not always be going right, but like Jesus never told me that it was always going to go right. He, ne he never said that to me. He never said it in the scriptures. Um, he did say in Matthew 28, his last words, that he'd be with me always till the end of the age, the end of time. So I think the happiness that sometimes might be lacking in just the circumstantial things that we have to deal with in life, we're all going to have that. You're going to have rough days. You're going to have rough weeks, maybe months, right? But um, there is an overwhelming consolation, I think, that comes with knowing who you belong to in the Lord, right? And, and knowing whose I am, right? You know, not just what I, what it is that I do. I, I know I know who I am in, in light of the, the, my call, but I also know whose I am. Right? And I think that's that's the area where I find consolation and confidence, even when at times, you know, I'm not having, you know, the happiest day. I'm British as well. We're never happy. You know, so it's, 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 it's the weather. Thank you. Good question. Good answer. Thanks. <laughs> I do think it's, it's important, too, for us to always seek Jesus. This the, the the goal is him. I think we can sometimes use him, especially whenever we're in this place where we're trying to figure out what his plan is, is all of our holy hours become discernment hours. And and he's like, Stop, I put that on a shelf and just look at me. You haven't listened to me speak to you in months because every time you come to see me, all you talk about is like the future. I'm in the present moment. And so if we can just stay in the present moment with God, then in his will way and time, he will begin to like speak to us in ways that are unique to us. It can be through secular music, church music, images, through people, apparitions, while we're awake, when we're asleep. Right? Look in the Bible. Joseph was asleep. For Mary, it was an apparition. For other disciples, it was through people. Right? So the, the Lord will speak to us in unique ways, but he's like, don't, like, don't limit this, this one hour or this 30 minutes you're giving me to just uh, using me. I want to be with you. I want a relationship. Um, and that's where the happiness is going to come from, from cultivating the relationship and not making an idol out of stuff. Because it's, it's going to change, you know, like the, the stuff changes, the ministry changes that we're doing. What they're doing in work is going to change as they get older. The relationship is what, what is most important. Okay, so um, my question, is, it's for any of y'all, but my question is, um, what, what is... Your thoughts on this? If I had a calling towards priesthood, um, but then I haven't had a calling in a while, um, and I've been trying to pray on that, it's not like I stopped praying, but it's the fact that I haven't felt a specific calling in a while, um, and I'm not going to worry about it because I know God has a plan for me, but I still, it kind of brings up a good point how you guys are all called. And y'all, you guys felt callings, but I haven't felt one in a long time, more like five years. So, just what y'all's thoughts? Anyone can answer this. 
I mean, I can talk to him again. Uh, God has like specific timeline. Like He doesn't have a specific timeline. Like you heard that calling, and so that calling's there. Um, what are you using to cultivate that calling? Um, not saying that you're not, but are you entering into prayer and like, Lord, like, okay, you put that on my heart. You're calling me to priesthood. How do you want me to fulfill that? Like, what's the next step? So, like, asking him more of that question of going deeper into that call. Like, you know that's there, but, Lord, now what? What's next? Um, how can I move forward in this? Um, and just, like, ask, asking him flat out, like, hey, I haven't heard you in a while. Like, you want to maybe show me, like, give me another clue type thing? Um, yeah, I mean, that's what comes up for me. <laughs> Yeah, I just encourage you to be discipled right now, right? So whenever Peter was first invited to walk with Jesus, Peter was a fisherman. Uh, he encountered Jesus first through Andrew, his brother, and then he left Jesus. And he stopped following Jesus and became a fisherman again because something about discipleship didn't work with Peter. So he was a fisherman again, and then Jesus sees him fishing, and he's not catching fish, so he's probably pretty frustrated. He's probably cursing because Peter had a cursing problem. Uh, we know this from the Garden of Gethsemane, right? He was with Jesus for three years. Three years he's walking with Jesus, and in the garden, um, he begins to curse, and he cuts somebody's ear off. Um, and so I'm like, if that's what discipleship looks like three years in, what was Peter like before that? <laughs> so Peter just didn't catch a bunch of fish now. Jesus is over here. A big crowd's following Jesus. They're all watching Peter, a fisherman, not catch fish, so he's probably pretty upset, which means he's cursing. He's swinging on James and John, maybe cutting their ears off. And in that scene is when Jesus invited Peter to discipleship, to walk with him, to spend time with him, to cultivate a personal relationship with him, to do ministry with him, to rest with him, to, to fellowship with him, to worship with him. And that, that that's the three years uh, before Jesus Christ called him to become the Apostle Peter to ordination at the Last Supper. Um, so... I would just encourage you, again, like, you felt the call, right? reverence that, but now focus on the relationship with Jesus and being a disciple. And right now, you're a student in the present moment, so be a faithful student, be a faithful friend, uh, be a faithful follower of the Lord, um, and then continue to walk with spiritual directors, vocation directors, um, continue to visit the seminary and pay attention to what, if you, does it feel like home when you're there? Um, and then take it one day at, at a time. Does that make sense? Um, yes. But also, like, we're not infallible in our prayer. So one thing me and Father Colin experienced is, uh, and other people here who were once in seminary formation can tell you, is that when you go to seminary, everybody has a vocation story. Like, a lot of people go to seminary. My first class uh, was, like, I forgot my freshman class. We had, like, 30 guys there together, and, like, only five of us were ordained. All right? But out of the 30 guys who entered, every single one of us had the vocation story where we, God called me to be a priest. Yet only five got ordained. Right? So we're not infallible in our discernment. Right? So we go to find out the point of convents, the point of monasteries, the point of seminaries and friaries is to go to a place with other people to help you to discover if God is inviting. The same way if, you're, if you feel called to marriage, right? you need to be dating that person. Right? And if you're dating that person, then together, the two of you discern together. So the guy might say, Ashley, can you please stand up real quick? She's one of my focus missionaries. I might say, Ashley, it's been a great two weeks. Um, will you marry me? I propose, right? And you say no, right? Two, weeks. two more weeks and yes, but like not two, right? 
So you can say no. Why? Because it's free. It's mutual discernment, right? So whenever we are discerning, we put a lot of pressure on ourselves. We're like, oh my gosh, I don't know if I'm called or what. Don't worry about it. Like, there's other people who are going to accompany you in discovering how God is inviting you to become a saint in your walk toward eternity. Okay. Next question. Yes, sir. So over the weekend, I like had, like for the first time I had that like tug like to like be a priest. And I told you about this, uh, Father Josh. So I guess you can answer this. But then the very next, <laughs> but then the, then the very next day, I had like a very vivid and strong like kind of calling to the marriage. Yeah. You're the ladies. <laughs> so my question is like, how do I deal with both of those? Well, like, how do I deal with being pulled in both directions, if that makes any sense? Yeah, that's a great question. I'll start, and halfway through, I'll stop, and let Father Colin pick up where I'll stop. No, so, I got ordained to the priesthood on May 31st, 2014, and on on June 1st, 2014, I still wanted to be married, right? <laughs> I'm married to the church, but my desire for marriage, that's the natural vocation, so everyone... Um, has an inclination towards marriage. That is the natural vocation. So if anybody ever came to me and said, Father Josh, um, I want to be a priest because I don't feel called to marriage, because I'm not attracted to marriage, I would just tell you, I can't walk with you, because you're supposed to have that longing for, for marriage, because holy orders and religious life is a supernatural vocation, and so supernatural must build upon that which is natural. So it is good that you have a desire to be a husband. It is good that you have a desire to have kids to be a father. Because as priests, you call his father Colin. You call his father Josh. You call Mother Rosario as their mother superior, Mother Dulce. Right? Because we do become spiritual mothers and fathers who are spouse us to the church, then to Jesus Christ himself. So I would say like, the desire goes nowhere. Even after ordination, you're still going to wake up. You're still going to see beautiful women. You're still going to be like, dang. I choose you again to the, to the church. I choose you again. Jesus. Same thing for religious. You are in love with Jesus, but that does not mean you're not going to uh, see Mark Wahlberg one day um, <laughs> at the JP2 house. <laughs> but, but you still choose Jesus, right? So, like, the, 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 and if you are called to marriage, because that's also holy vocation, you're still going to be drawn to other people who aren't your spouse. And it's saying no every day to everyone else who is not the one you said yes to. So, um, I would encourage you like, to, to, to reverence those desires if they're not going to go anywhere ever. Um, but if the thought of priesthood is there, the, the, the least we can do, again, it's just an invitation. God never forces. He never imposes. It's a proposal. He gives you the freedom. Um, but I would encourage you, if, if the thought is there, if it somewhat excites you, at least begin to walk with the spiritual director intentionally. Visit the seminary to see it for yourself. Um, so you can think further about that vocation. But you're always, freedom is the operative word here. You're free to say, Jesus, even though I'm excited about the priesthood, I'm going to pursue marriage. And as long as you abide in relationship with Jesus Christ and do not depart from him, you can still become a saint in exactly a full matrimony or a single person. Does that make sense? Father Colin might want to correct something I said. Maybe. No, no. Sisters. You're awesome. Bride of Christ. <laughs> Oh. Um, so, a few of y'all mentioned charisms, um, and in the area of discernment, it's kind of like a two-part question. How do you treat 
charisms and what role do those have in discernment. And then um, the other question I had was like, I don't know what the word is. Maybe it's like private revelation or like, you know, you might be prayed over and you hear like this, you know, people will say like you are called to this. Um, so how do you like discern what the Holy Spirit says and what role does like, yeah, those like huge consolation moments maybe in adoration where you're like filled with um, some kind of vision or stuff like that. How do you discern that? Yeah. So in the Bible, there's a story of um, Eli, right? Remember that story? What happens to the wars? What happens in that story? Samuel. He was like, heard a voice. Okay. He was sleeping, so Eli was calling. Uh huh. And then Eli was like, no, I didn't say nothing. Right. He was actually. Yes. And he thought he heard it again. Mm hmm. Eli was like, Eli was like, I didn't say nothing. Mm hmm. He was like, Shaggy, it wasn't me. Just be like, what up, God? Thanks, I'm here to voice. Right. So, so basically, uh, <laughs> what had happened was, so, so Samuel like was, was perceiving the voice of God, but he didn't know the voice of God yet. And so he went to Eli. Eli was only able to teach him how to pray, but he didn't pray for him. He didn't discern for him. And so, whenever people give us prophetic words. Uh, we take that stuff and we test every spirit, as the Word of God says, right? Because um, no one, unless it's Pope Francis speaking ex cathedra from the chair of Peter, um, it's not infallible discernment. Um, and so we have to then test everything ourselves through our own prayer. What kind of peace am I feeling? And what kind of virtue is coming from me pursuing this particular path? Like God speaks to us primarily through virtue. Am I growing in holiness my relationship with him? When we're baptized, we're all given what's called charisms. Charisms are supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. Um, communities also have what's called a community charism, which is something separate we'll get to. But at our baptism, we are each given a particular charism um, that God gives to us for other people, right? Um, and so, when there's a need, we have a gift. And so, on a natural level, we're all invited by God after our baptism to begin to discern what are the needs of my community, what are my gifts, where my gifts match those needs, that's where I serve. Um, and so, within... Uh, our, our state of life vocations as well, they can also be helpful sometimes, especially when discerning a particular vocation to consecrate your life or ordain life. Um, for instance, if you feel called to be a priest, you have a charism of poverty, then it would be helpful to begin to look at religious orders that take a vow of poverty. Um, and so that would help you with your discernment as far as specifics. All, all priests are doctors, but um, religious priests are like special doctors, specialists, right? So like me and Father Colin are, are general practitioners, but if you um, go to a, a Dominican, it's a brain doctor. Go to Franciscan, it's a heart doctor, cardiologist. So yeah, so we do we need to be aware of our charisms. Now, with communities, there's particular community charisms too. So like for their, their community charism is adoration of the Blessed Sacrament, receiving love of the Lord, and then serving particular missions. And so um, that's helpful too, but I'll let Sister follow up with that. So like, I, this is actually something I talked with my mother superior about recently was like, just inner struggle, and was like, why did you come to the convent? And I'm like, well, to serve Jesus. She goes, no. Like, and this is something that I always, like, catch myself on. It's like, no, you came to be with Jesus. So, like, yes, our community has a charism of, like, we're Eucharistic and Marian, and so our means by that is, like, we're, we're with youth. So we're on college campuses, we teach in schools, like, we do things like this and whatnot. And, like, that's our charism. Like, we're trying to bring the Eucharist to others and then bring them to the Eucharist. But 
generally why we entered the covenant was to be with Jesus. So like when you're looking at like different charisms, like that word, like yes, you look at the order and like, oh, I'm attracted to that. Like maybe they have a Marian devotion or maybe they poverty, like the CFRs or different things like that in like religious communities. Like there's something there that's attracted to like attracting you and that's good. Check it out. But like if you don't feel peace there then that's not for you. So it's not like what you're going to be doing because ultimately in each place you're supposed to just be with Jesus. Um, and that's something that I am still working on because I'm like, oh, I'm ready to serve. And it's like, no, just be and the serving will come. Um, so yeah, that's my two cents. And the communities change too. So if you're drawn to a community because of particular people, they might leave. So you don't join a community because of the people in the community. You draw because of Jesus. You stay because of Jesus. If you leave, you leave because of Jesus. Because he asked you to leave. Same thing for God's and priests. I called did not join New Orleans because of the people in New Orleans. He joined because of Jesus. This is where the Lord invited me to go. Um, and so the Lord has to be the focus. And even like she was saying with the ministry, we can't discern off of the, the mission that you discern off the relationship. Because the ministry does change over time. Like certain communities began doing one thing, then over the years they transitioned to other stuff. So it has to be this Charism is what drew me to Jesus. I, I perceive I can abide deepest with the Lord through this particular charism. Just to add to that, because um, this is uh, answering your question about the charism for the community. Um, earlier when I shared my story, I shared that I loved Jesus and the Blessed Sacrament. And I was even looking for a community that had in its title Blessed Sacrament, and I found it, praise the Lord. Um, but you can ask yourself, what do I love? And, of course, my love for God, but in a very particular way, loving God in his presence in the Eucharist. That's what I loved. And I remember when I was discerning one time, and, and I went flew to Cleveland. Originally, I'm from California. When I flew to Cleveland and I met the community, I was telling myself, okay, if I left everything, if I left my family, left everything, um, my life there in California, I would be leaving everything because of the Eucharist. That's pretty radical, like leaving everything because of the Eucharist. Well, yes, I was leaving everything because of I believe Jesus is in the Eucharist, and my love was for him, and the Eucharist was superseding everything else. So in regards to charism, the Holy Spirit is love. So when he gives a certain community a charism, this is a particular way to love God and to love others. So... Whenever we talk about the ordained life or the religious life or the consecrated life, we, we there's a lot of language of, of sacrifice, uh, which is true. Um, like, you know, in the Bible, it's like, throw down your nets. Or like, the Gospels, this Sunday, was like, sell everything and, and follow me. So like, when we talk about like the religious life, it, it, there is so much language of like, sacrifice uh, and like, emulating Jesus, which is beautiful um, and awesome and, and like, noble. Um, but something that I wish was talked about more is like, the joys. <laughs> so as some like... Uh, hopefully happy, ordained, and, and consecrated people that you are. Because, um, you know, like, with a married life, it's like, you know, oh, like, I love my marriage because I love spending time with my kids, or I love, like, you know, date night, or whatever. So, like, what are some, like, tangible examples from your lives that, like, make you stop and are like, wow, I love being a priest, or wow, I love being a sister, just, like, things that bring you joy, because I, I wish that was talked about more, because I think, like, it can be intimidating to talk about so much of, like, self-denial, which is real, but, like, Y'all are happy, so like, why? <laughs> well, some of us are happy. <laughs> um, 
I mean, what gives me joy, so I fell in love with Jesus in the Bus of Sacrament as well, and I get to live with him. So I live with Jesus. Uh, he, we have a chapel at every rectory that I'm at, and he's my best friend. And so I get to wake up with Jesus, go to bed with Jesus. Uh, and so I absolutely love the fact that I live with the Lord. Uh, I love the families that I get to meet and pray with and serve and um, be incident, welcome to their lives. Uh, there's, a, there's a joy with celebrating the sacraments, too. Right? When I hear confessions, when I'm able to anoint people who are preparing for death and accompany people as they transition into eternity, knowing that I was able to give them the sacraments of salvation, um, there's there's no greater peace or happiness um, that I, I, I feel personally than whenever I'm um, operating the sacraments. And so um, my greatest joy, and I, I love Father Andrew, right? So it's pretty, pretty awesome, you know? He's, he's, a, he's a very holy man. He's a very saintly, saintly priest. And so it's a gift to be able to live with a friend of mine um, and we do fun things together. Me and Colin go on vacation together. Uh, we went one time to a beach somewhere where the water was like really, really blue. Um, in a different country? It's like it was a different, different country. Different country, yeah. <laughs> we went to the UK. Was it the UK eventually? Yeah. Yeah, so that was cool. And then uh, me and Father Andrews went on to Alabama to vacation. So anyways, uh, there, there's a lot of joys as well. Yeah, yeah, we had fun. That was good. Good times. All right. Um, yeah, so an interesting story to your point. I think I, you, you raised a really good point. So a very good friend of mine, uh, Ryan, he went to Steubenville, and um, he was yeah, he's super, super into his faith. Um, you know, I think he was like maybe sophomore, end of sophomore, beginning of junior year. And he got himself a spiritual director, you know, kind of like you'd have forever, like Father Andrew, Father Josh. And he was like, you know, I feel so called to the priesthood, you know, sacrifice, laying my life down, Jesus, you know, the cross, everything. Like, you know, just like giving up everything, and like, that's why I'm going to be a priest, Father, and like the priest just looked at him and was like, that, those are like the worst reasons ever I've heard to be a priest. Like, that's terrible. Like, you didn't tell me once about the joy of like reconciling a soul who's been far away, right? You didn't tell me once about like the idea of being able to work with a couple, you know, towards marriage and then accompany them towards eternity. You didn't tell me once about being able to fall in love with holding the very species of the Eucharist in your hands as it stops being bread and becomes, you know, the resurrected body of our Lord Jesus Christ. You never mentioned any of that. Yeah. He's not married with five kids. Awesome, dude. Um, <laughs> five boys, so that's probably why we wouldn't have a couple of them in the seminar. But um, yeah, so, so, so you, to your point on that, but, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much joy in it. Um, this is going to sound kind of contrary to what you just asked, because I just said joy, but what I'm about to say might, you might seem sad, but let me finish the story. story ends this coming Friday. Um, last week, my best friend died. Right, but I had the privilege to stand at his bedside as he was dying, and to pray, you know, the anointing of the sick over him, to give him absolution, to impart the apostolic pardon which we can give a danger of death, and I'm I'm going to bury him on Friday, you know. Um, that's I got to walk my best friend home, <laughs> like that. That this isn't home yet, man. You know, so like the. The fact, that's supernatural. The fact that you can lose a best friend and find joy in the midst of it. Like, that's not of this world. You know? Um, and that's just one sneak peek into what the joy of this vocation is. So, like, there's a lot of joy in our community. Like, we were actually just talking about this on the way here. Of just, like, there's times where we're just, like, not feeling anything. And, like, there was... So we just got to Louisiana. There's six of us that just arrived in August, and I'm from Cleveland originally, so like I'm far away from home. I have no idea like where I am. It's hot. Um, 
And we went to St. George Parish, and we literally just walked in. We didn't say anything to anyone. And, like, after church, like, people were greeting us and was like, you guys are so joyful. We're like, we just went to Mass. Like, how did you see that? But, like, it just that, like, the joy radiates. Like, I'm centered in Jesus, and, like, Jesus is making that joy come about. And, like, Father Josh was sharing, like, living with Jesus. Like, waking up every morning and being like, oh, hey, Jesus. Or, like, getting up in the middle of the night, like, had a nightmare, like, I'm going to sleep in chapel and be like, hey, Jesus, like, I'm here. Or, like, pancakes in the morning. Like, our sisters decided to make pancakes one day. And it was like, oh, great. Like, they know I love pancakes. So, like, it's those little things. that, And there's a lot of joy. Um, and even just, like, yeah, there, there's a lot of joy. Like, I can go on and on about it. I was uh, thinking about a specific moment um, where I felt just um, a lot of joy. And I think... Last year, I professed vows, and I remember how I felt, because um, part of the tradition in our community, when we profess vows, we sign on the altar. So it's like a, like our wedding, so we're promising to, we're promising the vows of chastity, poverty, and obedience, and I remember when I'm up there, um, I remember just saying the words to Jesus, um, I promise, like on the vow of poverty, I promise to give you everything I have and everything I am. It's in expression of love and it was just a moment where it was like lord i'm yours earlier i talked about telling god i'm yours but that one moment i remember it was like i'm all yours but then god was saying he's all mine too it wasn't a one-way street it was a two-way street and um that was one moment but on a daily basis every time i'm in adoration with jesus and just random times throughout the day, I tell him, thank you, Lord. Thank you for the gift of my vocation. Because I love him above all else. And the fact that he has called me to draw into this intimacy more and more with him. I'm just so thankful for that. I mean, the, the holy hour, but also um, part of our community, we spend half an hour of Lexia Divina every day, so that's half an hour, at least half an hour with the word, with being in, with him um, through sacred scripture. Um, but also that love, that like um, overflowing love of praise, praising God that he has called me to him. Um, where is it lived out in my community in a particular way? We're called to live that love in a very particular way. Um, among the, the sisters in community, and that is where that joy is made real. So you're talking about that joy. Um, it's made real because you see how the Holy Spirit works in the sisters. Um, sometimes a sister may say something that will bring you joy, or um, a sister that's just ready for to listen to you or, or gives you a hug. So that uh, joy is made real in the presence of the community within our sisters. Um, and talk about joy. Sister Marita, who you didn't mention to you, but she's a prankster. She pulls pranks. Okay, um, so the joy is manifested um, in that too. And I'll, I'll share a little story. Um, back in Cleveland, we have this big cutout of Pope Benedict XVI. And um, it would like make its way through the convent. Um, she would put it like in random places and like out of nowhere, it would like scare us. Okay, um, one time I was, <laughs> you remember where you put him? Where you, yes. So one time I was about to take a shower and 
Well, guess who was right there? So just um, that joy is manifested in so many different ways, and each sister manifests it differently, too. Um, so I just have to throw that in, because she's not telling you that she's a prankster, but she is. <laughs> Any more questions? Um, sister, you mentioned in your like, little testimony that it, about like the culture of discernment, and that you didn't really know what that meant. Could you explain like what that means? <laughs> so... When I entered, that's kind of when I figured out what discernment was. Not figured out, but like when I heard what discernment was, like a lot of the sisters that were already there, like they went to UF, which is University of Florida, and they have a huge campus ministry there. And there was this culture of discernment of just like asking that question, like, are you called to religious life? But I didn't have that growing up. Like, I mean, I went to school with teacher, um, with sisters, and so that was like my discernment, more or less. Um, and so... The culture of discernment is just like really like thinking about if you're called to religious life, called to marriage, or single life, or consecrated virginity. So it's just like cultivating that. And I wasn't surrounded by that until actually I entered into the community and learned more about discernment. But again, that was like the grace of God. Like he shadowed me from that. Because I think if I knew about the culture of discernment, or like even if that was a thing, I probably would have like pulled away even more. Like the Lord knew he just needed to grab me and get me in. And he had me right there. So that was a grace for me in that. So. Hi, um, I'm in the process of uh, with St. Agnes downtown of uh, being a third order sister. I'm missionaries of charity. Like, I love them dearly and I spend a lot of time uh, in the kitchen working with the homeless, but I don't know if it's, if it's the right fit. So, um, just, uh, could you speak about third orders in general? If of the Diocese of Baton Rouge, we have a number of different religious communities, um, and also in our diocese in New Orleans, and so uh, it would be good for you, I think, helpful to do a call and get the workshop uh, to discern what your, your baptismal charisms are, and then from your baptismal charism to then look into these different communities to see which one matches where your charisms are, where your spirituality is, and so there's a, the, the monks at the Abbey, uh, they, they have the pray and work, or a labor, um, and they have a lot of oblates who, who discern that with them. A lot of people who join them monthly uh, for formation days uh, and then also live a lifestyle where they pray the literally hours throughout the day and they have a structured rule of life. As lay people living out in the world, we have the uh, Franciscan missionaries of Our Lady. Uh, they run the hospitals in Baton Rouge. They have a third order of Franciscans, more Franciscan spirituality, more mendicant spirituality, uh, a little bit more free. Uh, there's Carmelites and Coveting. And so again, if you feel more called to uh, the contemplative life, even as a lay person, but you want to live out that Carmelite spirituality uh, of detachment and uh, prayer and penance, then, then they would be a good fit. And so it would be good for you to come on visit. Uh, so I like to promote cafeteria Catholicism, right? So in, in the sense that, and not, not doctrine, um, but you go to cafeteria and you can't eat everything in the cafeteria. That's called gluttony, right? And so what you need to do is you need to go in the cafeteria and you want to try out things over time, become familiar with different things, but then eventually you just pick a few things. And what are the few things, ways of prayer that work for me, what are the few ministries that work for me, and then the rest is for everybody else. And so now might be a good time for you to meet these different communities and then to, to test them out and then to see which one you feel like, if I, if I began to live out this rule, would I grow in virtue? Not does it make me feel good. In America, we focus too much on our feelings. 
but does it help me to cultivate virtue? Do I grow in holiness through this particular way of life? Um, do my gifts match the needs that this community serves in my, in my area, in my land? Um, so I would encourage you to go out, test it all, and then just pick a few. So be, does that make sense? So not, not with doctrine, people. Don't, don't be sketchy. Um, <laughs> one more question. Uh, yes, sir. Uh, so this question is really for any of y'all, but I think Father Column, you uh, touched on uh, not only is it important to ask like what your vocation is, but also to first off know who God is and uh, who he is in your life. Uh, how can we as you know, people who aren't, we aren't vocation directors, we're not sisters living in community, we're not living in a monastery, how can we help people who may be struggling with focusing too much on what their vocation is without first knowing uh, who God is in their life? Yeah, well, I, th I think Father um, Josh touched on that earlier on a previous question a little bit, right, with regards to just being a disciple at that time. So to encourage people, I'm, I mean, a large part of the, the beautiful charism which the sisters had, right, is, you know, coming from the Blessed Sacrament to bring that love to others, but then also bringing others to the Blessed Sacrament, right? So help facilitate that encounter with the Lord for those people who are in your life, you know? Create opportunities where, you know, you're going to adoration. Make, make sure you, you start to establish like a rule of life when you go and, and invite people to come with you, right? Like, look at that story with Peter and Andrew that Father Josh has already brought up, right? That, that, that our brothers and our sisters who are with us, they, they can walk us to the Lord, right? And that can also be you too, right? In our growth in, in holiness, my growth in holiness, which is my primary vocation, right? Part of me becoming holy is, is kind of giving away what I've received, which is telling other people about who Jesus is. Not what Jesus can do for them, not what they need to do with their lives and get into all the specifics like that, because I don't know that. I'm not infallible, right? But what I do know, infallibly, is who Jesus is, right? I know a person, an, indiv an individual person who is love itself, right? The second person of Trinity who I can introduce people to. And start there, right? Let me tell, like, it's, it's you know, you really want to make an awkward conversation? Let me, let me talk to you about Jesus, you know? People run away, right? No, but that, that, that can sometimes be a very hard one to broach, but but to bring people to the same encounter that you've had. But you know what's critical for that? You and I first have all have to have that encounter, right? It's an assumption that we don't make in seminary formation. When guys get there the first two years, we focus on the discipleship phase. I need to make sure that the seminarian is in first and foremost following Jesus. I, I, I need to know that he knows who Jesus is. Like, Do you, do you know him? Like, as, as Father Josh was talking about those three years of discipleship for St. Peter, we, we ourselves have to first come to know, you know who this person is who, who loved us into existence. And that is the best way. Once, once I've experienced that love, experienced the person of Jesus Christ, then I can give that away. Then I can bring them to the person who I know. I think they, um, uh, they have done an excellent job of um, just the importance of prayer. Um, and we heard earlier, like, cultivating a culture of discernment. But I think where you all are right now, I think let's change the words up and talk about a culture of prayer, a culture of Jesus, getting to know who Jesus Christ is. And I'm not going to add any more to that. I think they've already done a wonderful job of talking about the relationship piece. Um, I did want to add something to the question that came up earlier. Um, I haven't, at one point I felt the call, but I haven't felt the call lately. And I just want to tell you, if he is calling you, guess what? That call is going to come back. Because before we were born, God already knew us in the plan that he had for us. So 
if he's calling you, the plan is not irrevocable. He doesn't call you and then not call you. He's calling you and he will continue to pursue you and to pursue you. So just be open to whatever way he is calling you towards him. Thank you. That was good. All right. Thank you all so much for coming to our first DYB, Discern Your Vocation. Uh, just for the guys, we have a few things coming up. Uh, on November the 5th through the 7th, that's a Friday to Sunday, we're doing a Come and See uh, at St. Ben's. So if you're interested in just going to the seminary to see what it's like, uh, that's going to be happening on November 5th through the 7th. Uh, and then, actually, no, October, next weekend, on a Saturday and Sunday, I'm taking uh, college guys and up to Notre Dame Seminary. So if you are interested in going to Notre Dame Seminary, next Saturday and Sunday, I will be going down there. And then um, the other one will be at St. Ben's. So do you have any events coming up, sisters? Because so late, this is a virtual December retreat. When you get it to me, I'll put it on the website. So that way, if you're interested in or more of the community, you can. Just, like, follow our Instagram. What's your handle? Mercedarian Sisters. Mercedarian Sisters, nice. Nice. Monthly, we started like a virtual discernment group where we're going to be giving a talk on discernment once a month. So pass that to me. We'll put it to CPK. Awesome. And then the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit.